At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook here in downtown Las Vegas. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter, at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Hit us all up on the network, at VSIN Live. I would imagine a lot of smiling faces watching this program here this evening. A lot of people very happy celebrating while listening, possibly. Why? Because... Today was a day of baseball favorites, and i got to imagine the books down here behind me at the Circus Sportsbook had a rough go of it today. We'll get the exact numbers. I'll wait till our very own Dave Tooley tweets it out, but I believe, according to my calculations, that favorites went 13-3 and today in Major League Baseball. The only dogs that won their games the Reds defeating the Phillies in the very first game of the day on the very last hit of the game, a walk-off win, 1-0 in the bottom of the ninth. Just a lazy early day game. Phillies, really, you know, no interest in being there. They got this big series with the Mets coming up. They're staring in the face of an off day. It's just to get out of Cincinnati. Let's go back home. We don't care about this. And the Reds, lazy as well. Both pitchers, you know, cruised Ranger Suarez seven shutout innings he only allowed three hits and Nick Lodolo goes seven shutout innings he allows five hits both of them struck out eight batters this was just a lazy game for the offenses and Reds were able to get a walk-off win so that was one underdog that won their game the other underdog that won their game was the Oakland A's defeating the Texas Rangers A's scoring four runs in the eighth inning to pull away and win 7-2 to two over the Rangers. They win the game as you know, probably like plus 160 or so dogs. And then the very last game of the day was an underdog winning as the Diamondbacks came from behind, scoring two runs in the top of the eighth inning to defeat the Giants 3-2. to two. Carlos Rodon got the start. He struck out 11 batters. In six innings, he only allowed one run on two hits. Zach Davies, meanwhile, he pitched well for Arizona. Five innings of one-run ball. He struck out six. He allowed five hits. Giants took a two-to-one lead in the bottom of the sixth, but the two runs in the top of the eighth for Arizona was the difference. Everywhere else, 
favorites won, including our play of the day, which was the New York Mets bouncing back from losing back-to-back games to the Atlanta Braves with Max Scherzer on the hill. Mets were about a 150 favorite in this game. And we talked about this game so much last night leading into today. The Mets, the best record in all of Major League Baseball after a loss, now 32-10 and 10 after a loss. And they had only lost three games in a row one time earlier this season. And it wasn't even to the same team. So there has not been a team that has won three straight games against the New York Mets. The the last time the Mets lost three, the only time I should say that the Mets lost three games in a row, it was a, a last game of their series against the Marlins earlier in the season, and then they lost two games to the Houston Astros. That's it. They have not been swept in a series. Well, that counts as a series. But in a three-game series, they have not been swept. And the Mets also have uh, an incredible record in rubber games of a three-game set this season. Obviously, this doesn't count because the Mets and Braves playing a four-game set here. So there is no rubber game. The Mets are just hoping to get a win here on Thursday and even up the series, but Max Scherzer goes out and does Max Scherzer things in the first two innings, pitches very well, shuts down the Atlanta Braves. Then there's about a half an hour ring delay, and all of a sudden, you're starting to think, how unlucky can the Mets get? Yes, they had lost the first two games of this series, but what happened in the first two games of this series? They lost their starting pitcher in both of those games in like the second inning, both times. Carlos Carrasco leaving the game, Taiwan Walker leaving the game, and now for a third game in a row, losing a starter in two innings, but not due to injury, thankfully, just due to a rain delay. If this thing went on any longer, Scherzer probably doesn't come back to finish the game or to resume the game. The Mets at that point had a 4 nothing lead. They scored four runs off of Jake Odorizzi in the first two innings. Scherzer comes back after the rain delay, gives up a uh, run in the third inning, cruises through the fourth and fifth and sixth, gets to the seventh inning, and uh, allows some runs, some base runners. Adam Adovino comes in, and, well, the Mets were, uh, the Braves were able to scratch across four runs in that bottom of the seventh inning after the Mets had scored one in the top of the seventh. So this game, it was a 4-1 game. Then it was a 5-1 game. The Mets scoring in the seventh inning made it a 6-1 game. The Braves, with the four runs, made it 6-5. And then the Mets in the top of the ninth, adding some insurance, scoring three runs. And that insurance was needed because Edwin Diaz had come in in the eighth to kind of lock this game down, but when the Mets scored three runs in the top of the ninth inning, Buck Showalter at that point says, I don't need Edwin Diaz now for a six-out save. Yes, he hadn't pitched in a couple of days, but we got a four-run lead now. If it was a one-run lead, Diaz comes back out for the ninth. But with a four-run lead, 
Let's save this guy. We might need him tomorrow. And so Trevor May comes in, and the Braves were able to get some base runners on. They scored two runs in the bottom of the ninth inning off of Trevor May, but he's able to get out of the inning. Mets win 9-7 over the Braves. So now the lead in the uh, National League East back up to four and a half games. The Mets 76-42 and on the season. And taking a look at the pitching matchup for Thursday, it's going to be Jacob deGrom against Max Freed. This is an elite pitching matchup. We don't have a line on this game just yet, but I am very, very curious to see this total. I would imagine six and a half, seven at the very most, but probably six and a half to Grom and Max Freed. For Max Freed this year, 10 and four record. He's got a 2.6 ERA. He allowed four runs in six innings against the Mets the last time he faced them on August 6th. Prior to that, seven shutout innings against uh, Arizona. But against the Mets back on July 11th, two runs in five innings. Against the Mets on May 2nd, Two runs in six innings. So the Mets have been able to hit this guy. Curious what the line opens up as. Mets will probably be a low favorite. But with Jacob deGrom on the hill, as good as he has looked since he returned from injury, Mets might be the play here to uh, finish off and even up this series. The other big story in baseball, and we'll stay in New York, is the Yankees getting off the schneid offensively, not just about the win-loss, but offensively getting off the schneid. And yes, thanks in part to the ghost runner in extra innings. But the Yankees walk off against the Rays 8-7 as uh, the Bronx Bombers were able to avoid a three-game sweep. So in this game, uh, the Yankees found themselves down 4 nothing after uh, the top of the sixth inning. Then in the bottom of the sixth inning, they get two runs across, thanks to a two-run homer from Glaber Torres. Corey Kluber, those were the only two runs he allowed. Domingo Herman, meanwhile, got the start for the Yankees. He was tagged for three runs in four and two-thirds innings. Yankees scratch across a run in the bottom of the seventh, another run in the bottom of the eighth, and in the uh, games tied at four, going to the tenth, and the Rays... Scratch three runs across in the top of the 10th inning. The Yankees with four runs in the bottom of the 10th inning, thanks to a Josh Donaldson walk-off grand slam. So are the Yankees back? That's a heck of a way to win a baseball game. And can they carry this momentum into their next series against the Blue Jays? Maybe. You would hope so. Yankees set to take on the Blue Jays for a four-game weekend series. Frankie Montas against Jose Barrios in Game 1. Jamison Tyone, Kevin Gosman, Game 2. 
Garrett Cole, you say Kikuchi in game three. By the way, if that spread's not minus 300, it's a gift. And Nestor Cortez, Alec Manoa in game four. All four games in the Bronx. This next stretch for the Yankees, four against the Blue Jays, two against the Mets. Extremely important for them to get their mojo back. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You can hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, we'll get into football. Our pro football betting guide drops really, really soon. One of the contributors, our very own Jonathan Von Tobel, will join me. We'll talk about his contributions to the pro football betting guide and get his thoughts on preseason week two. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare prizes this is the look ahead on vsin the sports betting network Welcome back. This segment of The Look Ahead is presented by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, the simpler way to experience nicotine satisfaction and enjoy lasting change on your terms. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. I don't know about you, but there have been times in life where I needed to make a change, but I wasn't ready yet. I'm sure a lot of smokers and dippers out there can relate. Zinn understands there isn't one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is a little different. Everyone's on their own journey, so whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step towards change, Zinn will be there for you with the right strength, the right flavor, at the right time. If you're thinking about making a change and want to learn more today, check out Zinn Nicotine Pouches at Zinn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Back here on The Look Ahead, I'm Scott Seidenberg here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Joining us now, our very own Jonathan Von Tobel on Twitter, at MeJVT. JVT has done a great job contributing to not just our college football betting guide, but the pro football betting guide, which drops shortly. And then, before we know it, JVT, the basketball betting guide will be out (laughs) as we get ready for this season. So a busy, busy man. Thank you so much for giving us a couple of minutes here tonight. And uh, let's start with the divisions that you we're tasked with in our pro football betting guide, that being both the AFC North and the AFC East. We'll start with the North, JVT. The biggest issue, obviously, Deshaun Watson. So how did you handle your handicap of this division with all of this uncertainty? Yeah, I, you know, so I kind of rolled with the thought that, at the very least, Deshaun Watson's not going to be available for, like, that 12-ish game. So essentially the season, right? If you read reports, 
Uh, that's what the NFL wants. They want an indefinite suspension. Uh, my, it's not a conspiracy theory, but I'll use the term for lack of a better one. My conspiracy theory is, is that uh, the designee is going to try to appease both parties and go for a little bit less than what the NFL wants, a little bit more than what Cleveland, excuse me, Deshaun Watson wants. And we're going to focus on like the 12 to 14 range. So essentially Watson's not going to be available this year. So I kind of rolled with that thinking. Um, and so with Cleveland, it's tough because there's still moving parts, right? There's still the report the other day uh, that they might be looking to add Jimmy Garoppolo if that is going to be a longer suspension and how he maximizes their roster, I think, a little bit better than Jacoby Brissett. And it also affects the bigger picture when it comes to Baltimore, Cincinnati, right? And how their schedules and the probabilities of them winning this division get affected. So I, I thought it was a really big challenge for me, Scott. But at the end of the day, I just kind of rolled with the fact that Deshaun Watson's essentially just not going to be available for Cleveland this year, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. But looking at this roster, though, everyone says this is a playoff roster. This is a talented roster. Uh, when you think about having Jacoby Brissett all season long, you look at the numbers that are lined up potentially for these games is there going to be times where you're going to back the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, I, well, I think there are. And actually, I think it's going to be early. You know, we, we talk about, like, <clears throat> it's been out there, the evaluation of the beginning part of their schedule. Uh, their first six opponents, right, one of the easiest schedules in the National Football League, the first six games. But if you dive into it a little bit deeper, um, if you look at it, I think it's five of their six opponents. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Five of their six opponents actually ranked 20th or worse in DVOA rush defense. So, like, these are a bunch of porous run defenses that they're going to be taking on these first six weeks that's going to allow Jacoby Brissett to get pretty comfortable and not have to do much. You look at it, the Panthers, Jets, Steelers, Falcons, Chargers, and Patriots. Uh, like, that's going to be something that really works in their favor, the Cleveland Browns. They're going to be able to establish their running game, work extremely well. I think that's going to be something that works in their favor quite a bit here. And I, I think I might look depending on how the market reacts here early on. I don't know about week one against Carolina because Carolina's a team I'm looking to take a position on early. I think they're going to be a little bit better than the market indicates. But as you get into some of these other matchups, I'm going to be looking to back Cleveland, I think, a little bit early because I think the, the opponents, it sets up really well for them. As far as the defending AFC champions go, uh, how concerned are you with Joe Burrow's appendix <laughs> operation? I don't think I'm that concerned. Um, you know, it seemed like, you know, hey, what's the uh, the joke? One of us, one of us, right? Like, hey, just, you know, he's a guy whose appendix burst and had to get some <laughs> surgery, and he seems like he's going to be fine. Um, you know, I'm amazed by Cincinnati because when you really evaluate their roster, um, I came away with the thinking initially, like, look, Cincinnati is better than they were last year, specifically along the offensive line. Uh, when you throw bodies at one of your biggest problems, we're talking about Ted Karras out of New England, joins the team, Lyle Collins out of Dallas, Alex Kappa from Tampa Bay. They, they made a really big effort to improve one of their biggest weaknesses. However, this is what kind of bothers me about the Bengals, because I came into this process thinking, you know, I think the Bengals, I, I, I'd bet on Cincinnati to win this division. I'd bet on Cincinnati over their win total. But the thing that bothers me a lot, Scott, is their defense remains largely the same. And that was, at best, an average team. We're talking about 13th in scoring, 19th in both defensive DVOA and EPA per play, 21st in yards per play allowed. And if you want a really big positional weakness that they didn't address at all, you could argue that Cincinnati has one of the worst linebacking cores in the National Football League. And they didn't do anything. All three starters from last year are back in this linebacking core this year. That's not getting any better, especially when you evaluate them from a schedule standpoint. One of the harder schedules in the NFL, you got to face Buffalo, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Dallas this season, all division favorites. So I came into this thinking, hey, man, I kind of want to back Cincinnati. I think they got better. But when I dove deeper into it, I realized 10's a really high win total. I think I'm looking to bet them under. And while they could still win a division at 9 and 8, 
I'm not looking to bet them to win 11-plus games this year. Well, a lot of people's favorite to win the division is the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Do you fall in line with the public, thinking that the Ravens are the team to beat in this division? Uh, We know they dominate the preseason, but will the wins carry over into the regular season? Yeah, I fall in line in that I think that they should be the favorite, right, when you look at everything. Because one of the things that largely hurt Baltimore last year uh, was bad luck, especially when it came to health. You know, from week 13 on, they had multiple games in which all five of their corners on their roster were listed as questionable. (laughs) Uh, It it was crazy the amount of injury luck that worked against Baltimore a season ago, and that fell along their offensive line as well. But this year, you're expecting at some point that a guy like Ronnie Stanley is going to come back and shore up the left side of your offensive line. Uh, You added Tyler Linderbaum in the draft. We'll see if that plantar fascia issue is going to uh, drag him down a little bit. Um, Bradley Bozeman leaves, but hopefully Linderbaum can fill that hole at center. So if you get a little bit healthier in your secondary and your offensive line starts to play a little bit better in terms of pass protection, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at this. One of the biggest things for Lamar Jackson last year was that he was just under duress. Now, some of that was due to his own holding onto the ball, trying not, you know, trying to extend plays. He was pressured 30% of his drop, excuse me, 37% of his dropbacks. But if his offensive line's better, he's going to be better. Because if you look at his numbers when he was kept clean, how about this? Completion percentage is 69.1%. 7.7 yards per attempt and only committing turnover-worthy plays at a 2.9% rate. Those are all really good numbers for him. So if his pass protection gets better, which I think it is, I think this Ravens team is going to get better with a little better health. So while I wouldn't be rushing to bet them because I think there's not much difference between them and Cincinnati, I do think they should be the favorite in this division, and I would expect better things in a trip to the playoffs for Baltimore. Will the Pittsburgh Steelers have more success with Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett on their center? You know what? I don't know. I, I think, I guess I'll roll with Mitchell Trubisky because he's the known commodity. Although, you know, Pickett went 13 of 15 against third stringers the other night. <laughs> uh, but I'll say this. I, I came out of writing up the AFC North um, and I just got done the other day. The, the Steelers, I think, are going to be really bad this year. Mm. I, I mean, when you look at, at everything around them, like you talk about Trubisky, right? And I, you kind of forget how bad Trubisky was at times in Chicago. But you're looking at his last few seasons. Last two seasons, got 6.4 yards per attempt through the air. 43 turnover-worthy plays. That's abysmal. For his career, he commits a turnover-worthy play on 4.1% of his pass attempts. That mark, for reference, would have been fifth worst among qualified quarterbacks this season, this past season that just you know flew by us. The offensive line is a little bit better, but not by much. And one of the quiet things about Pittsburgh, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of people will tell you, hey, they're the Steelers. They're really good defensively. This was a team that was abysmal against the run. They were 26th in PFF rush defense grade, 27th in rush defense DVOA. Multiple statistics tracked by football outsiders in terms of run defense. Bottom of the barrel for the Steelers. And the only thing they really did of consequence to add to their rush defense was drafted Marvin Leal in the third round at a Texas A&M. <laughs> Like, this is not a team that's getting that much better. So I think it's going to get pretty bad for Pittsburgh. So, in fact, when I got done writing this, I came out of this with wanting to add one more win total to my portfolio for next year, and that would be under that 7.5 for the Steelers. Tomlin does such a good job with everything he's given, but I think this is his worst roster that he has, and he's got this track record of you know teams finishing 500 or better, and you can't finish 500 anymore. But I just think that when you're looking at everything, the quarterbacks that he's dealt and how bad this defense could be, I think this is going to be like a 6-5 win team. So not in on Kenny Pickett for <laughs> Offensive Rookie of the Year. No, nah, like, well, and I'm not sure, like, just when he's going to get into it, right? Yeah. Like, that's my problem is if you read reports out of Pittsburgh, you know, he's clearly third in the pecking order in terms of the quarterback competition at this point. 
I think Tomlin sees a roster because there are good pieces here that potentially could make a push for the playoffs. I just question at what point are they going to want to turn it over to pick it, right? Like, will it be enough to surpass some of these really good wide receivers that are out there? Will he have enough leeway to actually get that done? That's kind of my problem with picking, you know? Yeah, I would agree with you there. JVT, hang on. Let's get to the AFC East when we come back because I actually have one of my favorite win totals is in the AFC East, and it might surprise you, or maybe it won't. We'll talk about it coming up next. He is our very own Jonathan Von Tobel. Hit him up on Twitter at MeJVT. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Follow me at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We're going to continue to break down the divisions that JVT wrote up in our VSIN Pro Football Betting Guide, available soon right here on The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead here on VSIN. The Sports Betting Network, rejoined by our very own Jonathan Von Tobel, who has written up both the AFC North and the AFC East for our VSIN Pro Football Betting Guide, available for VSIN All Access subscribers coming out shortly. Let's get into the AFC East here, JBT. And one of my favorite win totals is the under 8.5 for the New England Patriots. In fact, I like the alternate under 7.5 if we can get close to plus 200 on that. You look at this Patriots team, they are favored in just six games this season. Two games they are a pick em. If you make them split the games that they are a pick em in, that's only seven wins. And in three of those games where they are a favorite, it's under a field goal. What's your take on the New England Patriots and their potential to have a subpar season? So last year, uh, humans and I dubbed the Edge the most pro-Patriots show in the world. That included Boston. Um, <laughs> we loved the Patriots last year. Both the, he, he and I on the win total over. Uh, they had that like six-week stretch where they were covering left and right, and we bet them every single game uh, during that stretch. Loved them last year. Um, this season, I couldn't agree with you more with what we're looking at for New England. And for me, it starts for them defensively, too. I mean, you mentioned it from like a number and power rating standpoint. That's the case right now. I think that gets worse in terms of the few amount of games they could be favored as the year goes along and as the power rating evolves on them. Look, Bill Belichick is a guy who loves to run man coverage. It's like his thing. And this cornerback room is kind of a nightmare, right? Like J.C. Jackson departs. Uh, they have to bring Malcolm Butler out of retirement. They're really struggling to find elite guys along the perimeter to play corner for them. And I think that's going to be a really big problem. Kyle Van Noy, their third leader in terms of pressures, is gone. He's also with the Los Angeles Chargers. You're relying on two guys, Christian Barmore and Matthew Judon, uh, to generate a vast majority of your pressures. I don't think that's going to work for you this year. On the other side, we're hearing a lot of good things about Tyquan Thornton out of camp, the receiver out of Baylor, and maybe that's going to work out for them. But they lack, I think, dynamic playmaking at wide receiver. 
And who in the world is calling plays for this team, right? Like that's the other thing is who's constructing this offense? Who's helping develop Mac Jones as he heads into a second year off of a really solid rookie campaign? All of these things put together on top of the Bills being the Bills, Miami potentially being better. I think from a roster standpoint, there's no question that Miami's better. It's just what Tua Tungabailoa is going to be. And we can talk about that. Like For me, it's just... I think there's a lot of signs that are pointing to this being a negative year for New England on top of a team that really got a lot of turnovers last year. I think they were plus nine, somewhere in that range in turnover differential. That's going to regress to the mean as well. I, I just think, for me, the Patriots check a lot of boxes of teams that are due for a bounce back in the negative, and I think I'm buying on that. Actually, I'm on under eight and a half as well. Yep, uh, I think it's going to be a bad season for the Pats. Uh, as for those Dolphins, you talk about the talent that they have. You know, I'm looking at uh, some player props, and I know unders are the way to go when it comes to player mm-hmm. props. But when you look at Tyreek Hill and the addition to th- that he brings to this roster, and his number of touchdowns is at eight and a half. I know he only had nine last year, but that was because you saw everyone doing the whole, you know, cover two, all that stuff. Uh, uh, you know, on the on the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I think that he's going to have a monster year in this offense. And my biggest reasoning is because his head coach was San Francisco's offensive coordinator. What did San Francisco do last year better than anybody? Utilize mm-hmm. Debo Samuel and his skill set. Tyreek Hill can do those Debo Samuel things, if not better than Debo Samuel. I think we're going to see a lot of those, you know, pop passes or quick shovel passes in the goal line. And I think Tyreek Hill is poised for a big year in Miami. Yeah, you know, I I would agree with that to an extent. And I think one of the things that's been overblown about, like, the whole Tyreek Tua thing is, you know, like, hey, Tua doesn't throw it deep. Well, you know, if like, if you go back to last year, for example, uh, he only had 11 receptions of 20 or more yards, and you're talking about receiving depth, right? So it's not like he's, like, getting bombs over the top. Tyreek Hill deal is catching it short and using his speed. Uh, I think that's one of the things that he does extremely well. So he could still work pretty well with Tua. Kind of, and to your point, if you read some of the quotes coming out of camp, uh, that's all McDaniel's been talking about is just, hey, man, like I think I could do a lot with this guy in terms of his versatility. So I think there is going to be a lot of opportunity there for Tyreek Hill. So I would agree with that sentiment that like instead of betting Miami to maybe be successful right in the grand scheme of things, whether it's like over the win total, win the division, get to the playoffs, I think it would be betting on a guy like Tyreek Hill to have some success within this offense. And that's the way that I would want to go with it. Because even if it's not going to be Tua Tungvaluwa to do it, they're still going to use Tyreek Hill in a lot of ways, whether or not Tungvaluwa is going to be pulling the trigger. So I would agree with that sentiment. And I I think the noise around him and Tua struggling to connect because of the deep ball thing, I think it's a little overblown. 44% of his targets last year, Tyreek Hill, were zero to nine yards downfield. And I think that's something they could totally utilize. Uh, the Jets will be forced to start Joe Flacco out of the gate yeah. due to the injury to Zach Wilson. But, like, is this that big of a deal? <laughs> I don't exactly see a significant drop-off from Zach Wilson to Joe Flacco. No, I agree. And The thing that stinks, too, is I thought the Jets got, like, quietly did a sneaky job of adding some pretty good pieces in the yes. offseason. You know what I mean? Like, if you look at wide receiver, their wide receiver room looks like it's going to be pretty good when you're talking about the depth that they added and the young pieces that they had. Garrett Wilson, you're very excited about. Corey Davis, who they added a few years ago. Like, there's some good young talent here. You look at the running back room as well. Brees Hall leading the way for them in terms of intrigue. Michael Carter from last year. Uh, the offensive line before the injury to Mekhi Becton, and I still think adding a Dwayne Brown is actually a pretty good Band-Aid to have uh, for a guy who goes down to a knee injury. There's kind of a lot to like for the New York Jets in terms of offense. And kind of to your point, 
if there's really not that much difference between Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson, which I don't really believe that there is, at least especially from what we saw from Zach Wilson a season ago, you know, maybe you don't adjust the power rating on the New York Jets that much, whatever you thought of them coming into this year. You know, they're actually up to a seven-point underdog against the Baltimore Ravens in week one, and I'm not turning that away yet. Like, I I still think I'm looking at that, especially if we get to like a seven-and-a-half point with that number, because I don't think I'm adjusting my power rating as much as the market started to do once Zach Wilson went down. So I would agree with you, and I think the Jets are really intriguing because if Wilson comes back, and if he does actually make like a solid step forward as a quarterback— there's a lot to like about what this offense could potentially be. So I think the Jets are super intriguing. They have a wide variety of outcomes, but it all rests on the shoulders of Wilson and what his development's going to be. It's it's a lesser version of Miami, right? Because Miami's got a ton of awesome weapons, and it's just how good Tua is going to turn out to be with all those weapons around him. All right, Super Bowl or bust for the Buffalo Bills. Which one will it yeah. be? Well, I mean, it's really hard to win a Super Bowl, so I'll go bust just because of the probabilities. But <laughs> I, I'll say this. What I'm really intrigued by with, with Buffalo, and I have, you know, humans likes to make fun of me because the first or early years of Josh Allen, I was very hesitant to, like, really buy in, right? Uh, especially when you saw some of the worrisome time, like the turnover-worthy plays were there, uh, the fact that, you know, uh, he was relying on the athleticism, the completion percentage really poor at the beginning part of his year. But there's two things that really stick out to me about Buffalo. The first is, I don't think Brian Dable gets enough credit for helping Josh Allen develop as a quarterback. And now that he's with the New York Giants, What's this change going to be like for this offense and for Josh Allen? I think Allen is the real deal, at least in being one of the best young quarterbacks as we move forward into this new generation. Uh, but Dable was a really big part of that. So I wonder what changes for Josh Allen as they kind of move forward. And the thing is, from last year's Buffalo Bills, their schedule was so easy. They faced some of the worst defenses in the National Football League week in and week out. And they took care of business. And that was in some of the worst quarterbacks as well. And they dominated every single one of those teams like they rightfully should. This year, their schedule is much harder. And so how that kind of brings that back down to the pack in that I just think maybe the market might be a little out over their skis and power rating them as high as they are. I still think they're extremely good. Uh, I would rate them not as the best team in the National Football League, but definitely within the top three. But I, I don't know if I want to take a position in playing against Buffalo at the early part of the year. But I do think the market might have them power rated a little higher than they should be, if, if that's fair. Uh, JBT, while I have you, I got to ask about the NBA schedule released. You are an NBA uh, senior NBA analyst here at VSIN. Your thoughts on the schedule? Any games that jump out to you, whether it's the Christmas Day schedule or the opening schedule? Uh, we got a bet in already. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers opened up as six point underdogs on opening night over at William Hill. Uh, to the Boston Celtics. That number's down to five and a half. Uh, that's way too high. Like I made it actually two. Uh, Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate opened it up at three and a half. So that number's still out there if you want to grab it uh, for Philly. I'm kind of high on Philly coming into this year. Uh, but when you look at the schedule overall on Christmas, I have a couple of things. One, uh, are you a Knicks fan? I am. Get them off Christmas. I'm sorry to say it, but like, it's, come on. Let's listen, get I, I, work, I worked <laughs> that game Oh, yeah? I want to say for like six years in a row, like the noon game on Christmas, because the Knicks were yeah. always the noon game on Christmas. Um, they had played like the, the there. It's just it's a staple. You put the Knicks on yep. Christmas because you need an East Coast team to play that noon kick, that noon tip off game. Well, they get the 76ers, but yeah. I'm excited. I think that was the one thing that stuck out initially was that six that opened up at Will Hill and the five and a half that's still out there. 
Um, it, I would definitely make that wager because uh, it's a lot higher than I than I made it. And I think uh, I, I'm high on Philadelphia, so I might be a little bit off there. But the fact that a, a well-known NBA odds maker, Jeff Sherman, opened it quite lower as well made me feel a little bit better. Well, we'll see when Donovan Mitchell scores 45 in that game in the next week. And they right? lose? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie T, thanks for the time. Great work in the Pro Football Betting Guide. Appreciate you. He's Good talk to you, Von Tobel. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. The Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The VSIN College Football Guide is out now, and our NFL Guide drops next week. Our experts provide profiles of every team with the team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, player awards. Remember, the only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VEASAN All-Access subscriber. Sign up on our discounted football special, get access to everything we do from now through the Super Bowl for only $175 or Save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to vcin.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Scott Satterberg back here. This is The Look Ahead on vcin, the Sports Betting Network. Joining us now to give us a rundown of where the books are in terms of the futures market is Patrick Everson. And Patrick, uh, let's start with the Super Bowl winner because that's the most polarizing thing, right? You look back to last year at this time and where the Cincinnati Bengals were in their odds just to win the AFC. And, of course, they go to the Super Bowl, lose to the Rams. But who right now is topping the charts for the biggest liability in Super Bowl futures? Well, uh, and first off, Scott, thanks for having me on this late uh is it Wednesday? This late Wednesday it, it night here is. in Las Vegas. <laughs> still Wednesday here in Las Vegas. Early Thursday, if any of you are really uh, uh, just not able to sleep, insomniacs on the East Coast. But look, it's going to depend on the book. But I had a really good conversation with Casey Degnan, the senior risk supervisor at the Superbook this week, and where he noted, uh, you know, where, where their liability lies. It's kind of interesting. Um, they they've got uh, the largest liability is the Raiders. And obviously what's contributing to that, the Superbook operates in several states now, but clearly, you know, the, the hub is, is the Superbook at Westgate, and they are seeing enough 
you know, local influence on the wagering that makes that that has made the Raiders the largest liability. The second largest liability is the Titans. The third, and this might surprise you, but it doesn't take much at these odds, is the Steelers. They can't get away from Steelers' money. Casey said, uh, in fact, the two teams that are most most popular right now, not overall, not since this market is open, and it's been open since before the previous Super Bowl, but just kind of in a snapshot of what's going on over these last couple of weeks, Casey said the Steelers and Chargers are two of the more popular teams in the Super Bowl market of late. And uh, with regard to the Steelers, he said they always seem to be a popular bet to win the Super Bowl, and I guess people are buying the Kenny Pickett hype. He said, I'm not sure about that one, but you never know. That said, Pittsburgh is creating liability. Pittsburgh is 100 to 1. So if you start, you know, you stack up a few bets on there, it doesn't take much to get liability. Now, that said, Pittsburgh opened 100 to 1 at the Superbook and is now 100 to 1 at the Superbook. So clearly, Casey and the risk team are not that concerned about the liability, but it's there. They're just, they're just acknowledging it more than anything. And uh, the Chargers, I would say, are probably you know, uh, potentially a more uh, intriguing concern because that's a team that could win, and they've cut their odds in half from 20 to 1 to 10 to 1. You know, it's amazing. You mentioned the Raiders getting all this love, and there's a lot of people that are extremely high on this team. And sure, sure you know, take take a flyer on them to win the Super Bowl. But what about, uh, you know, just them to win the division? It's an extremely difficult division, but you can still get good numbers on it. And I've seen people giving that out as a long shot bet on the Raiders to win the AFC West. Well, and I think I've seen, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I know I saw something a few weeks back as I was looking at some of the division, uh, the division odds. And what was interesting is that the AFC West, which is a, you know, a, a division perceived to have four very good quarterbacks, is you know, from, the long, from the shortest odds to the longest odds, it's not, you know, it's not as far as it is in some of these other divisions. Yes. So while the Raiders might be a dog, it's not by much. Um, I can tell you, I do have in front of me actually a little bit on division futures. And with regard to the AFC West, the, uh, this is from BetMGM, by the way. Uh, the highest ticket count highest, uh, is on the Broncos. Highest handle is on the Chargers. So some Chargers love there, too, along with the Superbook seeing Chargers Super Bowl love. Mm-hmm. BetMGM is seeing Chargers AFC West love and probably beyond that for that, uh, for that matter. But that's just this is the numbers I have in front of me. However, BetMGM. And this is Bet MGM nationwide. Biggest liability to win the AFC West, your Las Vegas Raiders. They're not my Las Vegas Raiders because <laughs> I am a Colorado native and a diehard Denver Broncos fan. But uh, for everybody else who's who's got a ticket on them or has a rooting interest in them, they can they can be your Las Vegas Raiders. I'm 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 fine with it. But yeah, to your point, um, they aren't the number one. They're not they're not number one in tickets or handle in the AFC West at Bet MGM, but they are the biggest liability. So, uh, which tells you that. They're probably taking a pretty good chunk of uh, of tickets and money at a at slightly longer price, so that makes them you know that makes the liability add up a little bit more. Yeah, the Raiders are the uh, shortest underdog to, that's in fourth place in the odds in their respective division. Every other team, right? It's a great division. Yes, every other division that's picked the uh, the last place team has much longer odds than the Las Vegas Raiders. Patrick, you know, hard knocks is going on right now, and Every year, the team that is on hard knocks gets the hard knocks bump. 
And I understand. <laughs> I, I covered the Jets when they were on Hard Knocks. I saw firsthand how they you know, go into all this stuff. I've talked to the HBO producers. They do such an incredible job of producing this TV show that it's hard not to fall in love with the team that is featured on that show. So with that being sure. said, are the books seeing a jump in Lions tickets for the futures market? That's a good question. I'm going to going back to look up uh, uh, where the Superbook is on on their Super Bowl odds at this point. Uh, again, off of uh, the information that Casey provided, I don't think it's doing much. Detroit's sitting at 100 to one. I'm not sure where they open, but it's not a team that Casey mentioned among those that either a the Superbook has some concerns with, mm-hmm. or 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 b even longer shots that you know that they'd like to win. I mean, what he what he mentioned is. Uh, among the best outcomes, uh, a handful of teams, Panthers, Commanders, Saints, Rams, Cardinals, Giants, Packers. That's a mix of a couple teams that could get there and a few teams that probably have no chance in hell sure. of getting there. And then the teams that they're trying to dodge, as I mentioned, the Titans are definitely a team they're trying to, to dodge. The Raiders are a team they're trying to dodge. Um, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're trying to dodge the Steelers, of course, like I mentioned. But if I can throw this one out at you, there is another team at 100-1 to that Casey – feels like should be getting a little more love than it is. And it's not the hard knocks team, obviously, but he thinks he, he said he's surprised that Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars aren't a more popular bet. And the reason he pointed that out is he noted rightly that there have been some second year quarterbacks who have made huge leaps from their rookie season, namely Lamar Jackson, three seasons ago, uh, Ravens, I believe went 14 and two and then lost in the divisional round. And last year, of course, with what you pointed out at the very top of this segment, Joe Burrow yep. had a great sophomore campaign and got them all the way to the to the Super Bowl. And really, I mean, they had the ball with a chance to win the game. Um, so uh, you know, he, he's kind of he's a little surprised that even though Jacksonville's one hundred to one, obviously they're a long shot, but he feels like as a long shot, they're a they're a they're a better bet than some of these other long shots that uh, that really you know right you know really have no chance of getting there. How's the MVP market shaping up? You look at the awards futures market. Josh Allen is the favorite uh, over at DraftKings, mostly the favorite pretty much everywhere else. Consensus is Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Where's the action been coming in from people that you've you've spoken to about the MVP market? Right, and this is another one that I ran past the the good folks at BetMGM. Drew Odell passed this along to me, and – Interestingly, it's a it's 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 basically it's the triple crown for my Denver Broncos new quarterback, which may which may just put the you know kiss of death on my team right there. <laughs> but highest ticket count, Russell Wilson at about eighteen percent. Highest money count, Russell Wilson seventeen percent. Biggest liability, Russell Wilson, and he's sitting at fourteen to one at BetMGM at this point. Uh, so you can you know still get I guess maybe a little bit of value on him, but I got to imagine that's come down significantly with the tickets and money on him. But uh, and I, uh, but he's definitely a popular play in the MVP market. And to your point, obviously Josh Allen the favorite seven to one, Mahomes eight to one, Brady eight to one. You got Herbert right behind those three at plus eight fifty, and then of course you got Aaron Rodgers up there too. He's going to be up there every year. Um, so Russell Wilson still sitting, you know, he's sitting ninth. He's the ninth choice, at, or the co-eighth choice, excuse me, at BetMGM right now. But uh, he's a popular play at BetMGM, and I would, I would guess he's probably popular elsewhere. And I would guess, I mentioned this, I think I mentioned this on your show before and on others for sure, but as sports betting continues to expand across the nation, 
more and more of these regional biases are going to creep into yeah. how how and where liability develops. And I would bet my left arm that Colorado betters are just loading up on on Russell Wilson in this. And and and, and it's early. I mean, they 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 will over the next couple of weeks too. This is the market that's going to wane as we get into the regular season, or maybe even close, depending on which book you're you're at. Some books may just shut it down once the regular season starts, but. I, I think in all these kind of things, there's some regional bias that plays in. Well, let them keep betting it, so maybe I can get a better number on Justin Herbert. Patrick, appreciate there the you time, go. as always. Look forward to catching up again soon. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Scott. There he is, Patrick Everson, sports gambling reporter, joining us here on The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.